cold open everyone with 2001 a space odyssey review <laughs> so i watched 2001 a space odyssey because it was supposed to be one of the best films of all time and to me it was it was garbage i'm sorry <laughs> maybe i just don't know enough about movies to really appreciate it but it was just weird <laughs> okay like, so my my only my only thing, because I already covered this, but then I'll let you go. Have you seen Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? No. I oh, okay. Because that was also okay. This this is not. <laughs> in case you're tuning in, this is Old Sinners New Saints. <laughs> you have clicked on the right podcast, and we will get onto our third of eight Godly Men series, which is Enoch this time. But what I was gonna say was, um, Stanley Kubrick is heralded in the film industry as one of the great cinematic masters. Okay. The Shining, above all else, was supposed to be one of the greatest horror movies and one of his best ever, as well as 2001: A Space Odyssey was supposed to be not only one of his best, yeah, but one of the best science fiction movies heralded of all time. And you give that one a thumbs down. And the one time I watched The Shining, I kept thinking. What is this? So yeah. <laughs> we're not doing a Shining review. We're, we're doing yours, so take it away. So uh, <laughs> maybe you remember or have seen or have experienced a singer who thinks they're really good, so they take a long time to sing a song and really just try to showcase their abilities. Every day in the shower. <laughs> 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 and so at some point you're like, okay, I've, I've, I've had enough. You're good, but like it's enough. Yes. So like that's how the, the cinematography was. Like they would do a, a shots, like different pictures, but it would be like 10 or 15 minutes of all these different shots and pictures and – like literally it takes five minutes of um of screen time for the ship this tiny ship to travel across the moon you know like it's just music and traveling and i don't know if they were trying to build suspense or kind of talk about what space travel was like but it was just it just kept happening we're like I feel like I was in a 1930s movie where the intermission comes up and it's just like, oh, it kept dragging and dragging. And then they had the beginning, which I I don't believe in evolution. So um, it was these crazy ape like people who this uh, whatever black pillar comes out of the sky and gives them the idea to start using a bone to start hitting each other with. And it just uh, I was turned off from the beginning and it just got worse. And by the time you get to the end of the movie, it was like they had to be high when they wrote the end <laughs> of the movie. They, I mean, there's no way they were sane when they wrote the end of the movie. So, you know, it's just like, okay, so now I know. <laughs> brief, brief pause, brief pause. Now I know what my homework assignment is going to be for this week because I was telling you off air, so now I'll say it on, on air. I love film, but I have never watched this movie because the kid's mother and I have always had opposite yeah. influences in terms of what our favorite movies are. Yeah. So when we first started dating and she said that she absolutely loved this movie and I quote, it was one of her favorites, I kind of stayed away because I was like, ah, maybe I don't want to, one, taint the movie and say in the Kubrick's name, nor do I want to start an argument in this yeah. relationship. So yeah. now I stayed away. Um, but now that... The relationship's over and done with, and now that I have homework this week, <laughs> I will watch just, this movie and just keep the skip ahead button uh, <laughs> close at hand. You can you can take that two hour movie down to like thirty minutes. The oh. only good part 
was when Hal, the robot computer system, uh, locks them out of the space station. That's like an in, that's a pretty fun um, little drama segment of the movie. All right, but all right. but the rest of it, I was like, ugh. It, in my opinion, and I am not a film critic by any stretch of the imagination, but that was rough. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even ask obvious question. What brought this on? Was it on TV? Did you just happen to? I was just, well, I don't remember. I'm kind of in a, in a lull between um, uh, some work that like my school right. work and stuff. So I was like, I've got some time. I'd like to see a movie. And so um it's hard for me to find a movie that I feel like, okay, this movie's um, like on Amazon or whatever. That's not gonna, you know, have a lot of language or a lot of other stuff in that I wanted to see or don't want to see. I mean, and that one was rated like, I don't know, PG or something. And, um, and it had super reviews and like the IMBD score was like eight or something, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is supposed to be like one of the classics yeah. and influence a lot of other movies. So I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to enjoy this for the next two hours. But no, no. <laughs> I'm going to get shot out of the sky for this <laughs> one. But the same thing happened. Now, I will just give this one uh, another shot. But the same thing was with um, the original Blade Runner. So I was at my brother's house in Washington, Eastern Washington. He kept talking about this, and he was like, you've never seen it, blah, blah, blah. You know how the conversation goes amongst people. You've never seen yeah, this. Yeah. So he popped it on. I wound up falling asleep a bunch because <laughs> I have to feel like I was when I thought of Ridley Scott in the time that this came out, I was thinking Terminator 1, Terminator 2, kind of okay. like that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And when he painted the picture of, oh, yeah, Harrison Ford runs around with this awesome gun in a sci-fi future hunting down androids or replicants as they call them yeah i was like all right this is awesome right it wound up being now there's 17 different versions of the freaking (laughs) thing i don't you know i don't know which one i'm going to watch eventually yeah but i just wasn't in the right headspace could that have been your issue on this one were you just not in the right headspace for it and give another shot or no (laughs) i'm never gonna watch that movie again there's no way and on that note there's no way to Better way to start the show. Here we go. Thank you for joining me, Ben, on this week. We have part of our, what are we calling it? Eight Godly Men series? Yes, Eight Godly Men. And who do we have this week? Today we're talking about Enoch. So we're kind of doing a backwards look here. We've been jumping forward historically, but we're going back almost to the beginning of the Bible and talking about a man named Enoch who lived uh, before the flood. Uh, not too, I think he's about seven generations removed from Adam, the very beginning of history. So excited to talk about him a little bit. And I am very excited. But before that, 
We wanted to say if you love 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> this is the show for you. If you do not love 2001, this is definitely the show for you here. So, but um, no, this morning I was definitely blessed to have been invited to a men's bre- uh, breakfast. Nice. Yeah. Burrito breakfast at my church, Grace of Sacramento. And I'd like to thank uh, Kyle and Nathan. A huge shout out to them. Um, we cooked together and ran this little project together and I wound up going off just in an amazing an amazing way but beyond myself uh emmanuel my son was there and to, to oh nice good to, yeah to see a space that kyle and nathan created as well as the rest of the church by extension to where i could just see him running around with other people and just having fun nice and that's good. enjoying the presence of the lord and and just being in that environment like yeah. as a as a parent like as a as a guy it's one thing but as a parent it, it was just it was priceless so yeah um, and there shout is, out to them. That's awesome. And there's something great about uh, Christian guys getting together. It's just, it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Except for the ones that come out of nowhere and pick randomly at the out of turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, you got to wait. We have an itinerary. So there's back always those guys. <laughs> always them. So back to Enoch. What can we say about Enoch? So let's talk about Enoch's. Uh, situation of life a little bit because he's not somebody that maybe when you pick up your Bible you think about. So uh, he, like I said, is living prior to the flood. He's about seven generations removed from Adam. And so he is at a time in world history where we would say things are, as far as the moral compass of society and the direction of the world is really bad. Uh, so he would have been living at a time where, you know, we're getting to the to the point coming in in uh, a few generations where God says the thoughts and intentions of man's heart are only evil. For, I mean, so, you know, you got to imagine that he's living in a really wicked world um, that possibly, you know, in, in some ways was more wicked than even our own day. Um, so which is sad to say that the world became so wicked so fast, but it just shows the, the depravity of human nature. So in that type of environment where uh, sin was really running rampant and just gaining on every front, where more and more people were turning away from God to um, idols and demons and all of that on a regular basis, God says, um, this is his story in Genesis 5, 21 through 23. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. All, thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So in the midst of a a perverse world, um, Enoch faithfully walked with God for 300 years, you know, uh, persevering in that. And so much so that in Hebrews, it says that God was pleased with him and God took him. So we don't know exactly what that means or how that happened, but it seems like Enoch didn't die um, according to normal human processes, somehow God took him and um, brought him to heaven. So 
it's it's a mystery. We don't know that. Um, but I think the outstanding feature of Enoch that we want to talk about today is, you know, he pleased God in a in a perverse world, which our world is and is becoming, you know, worse and worse. It is. <clears throat> Man, I have so many questions, but I don't <laughs> even know. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. So first off, when I was reading through the the points uh, that you gave me through text message, I was 100% lost because it's it just mentions them very shortly. And yeah. I was expecting like other, you know, people mentioned in the Bible is like, oh, he'll get like, you know, a full book. Et cetera, Chapters, et yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I was just like a couple sentences. Boom. He's gone. Wait, what? And yeah. so I was just I, like I was so confused about it. I was like, so I didn't even go to Google. I just kept going back to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, kept reading it, Kept reading the cliff notes because last time Google got me in trouble. Yeah. Um. But I was just like, man, this is he, he's so mysterious. That's like the word I'm looking for. But I was like, why in, in why do you think there was such mystery around around this one character? Yeah, it is interesting. Um I I think the fact that he never died makes him a popular figure, you know. But I it's also kind of comforting when we think that some of these people in the Bible that really please God have have just a little bit of space in scripture because, you know, most of us, um, there's not going to be anything written about our lives. Um, you know, we would be thrilled if our life finished and there was some book that said, you know, Chris lived these years and he pleased God. That would be like a thrilling epitaph to anyone's life that loves God. But, um, he does have this interesting, um, story here in Genesis, and then he's mentioned twice in the New Testament, um, and then there's other works attributed to him out there as well. But I think that's what makes him interesting is is he is he seems to be in the forefront of the mind of the Jewish people as they continue through the centuries. If he's ending up in in Hebrews and Jude dr- being directly quoted, so here he is, you know, thousands of years after his death somehow a quotation of his still survives. Um, yes. So there is a, a, it seems like a reverence and respect for Enoch, and it, it's possible that God has uh, future plans for how he will use him. Um, There's some, some that believe in uh, he will be one of the two prophets that comes back in, um, in the Revelation to... Uh, judge to help um, bring God's message of judgment on the world. We don't know if that's true or not, but that is another thought that is out there. One thought or two thoughts that came to mind was I, I love how you said that, how it was how God rewards those who follow him, right? And trust in him. And it was just so simply put, it's like he, and as you were saying that the light bulb went off, it's like, yes, that makes sense. You, you follow this, you get, rewarded right it's, yeah it's you know you you get out what you put in the other thing was have you seen the movie spy with Alyssa mccarthy and jason statham specifically i don't think so so it's the very opposite so jason statham's character right it's he's the action hero this whole thing okay in this one he is completely comedic and i love it but unlike the very opposite of Enoch to where there's very little about him. Yeah. All this guy can can say is stories about himself, <laughs> <Yeah>. idolizing himself. <laughs> and my favorite line of the whole movie is where he's just totally going off and he's telling Alyssa McCarthy these things and that has happened. And at one point he goes, 
And one time I was in a car and I drove off a bridge onto a moving train while it was on fire. <laughs> Not the car. I was on fire. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, can you imagine if there was someone like him in the Bible that just kept, <laughs> instead of talking about Jesus or being loving like Jesus or loving God or being yeah. faithful, he just yeah. kept the book of Jason Statham. He just kept talking about me, 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 me. Yeah, probably it's the like, closest to, in the Bible to that is um, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> When he's like going off about how here's this kingdom that I have made and <laughs> all this stuff that I've done by my power. And then God says, well, you're going to be an animal for the next whatever it was, seven years or I can't remember exactly how long. But yeah, God doesn't really look kindly on that kind of self because it's not promotion. Humble. Yeah, no. it's not yeah. glorifying him. It's not leading through him, loving through him. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's it's not about it's not about yourself. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's another guy, um, who was it, Herod, or um, one of the one of the Roman rulers over the Jews. He was all full of himself and went to this um, group, gave a speech, and they said, "Oh, it's not a man; it's a god." They were flattering him, and um, he took that flattery, didn't praise God. And he was actually killed by God, struck immediately, and eaten by worms, the Bible says. Oh, so, which one is this? I uh, want to get to that story. Yeah, that's in the New Testament. And <laughs> he, uh, I, it's uh, one of the rulers of Israel, one of the Roman rulers, and I'm blanking on his name right now. But, yeah, so God does not take, w- take well to that type of pride and uh, lifting ourselves up, for sure. Was it Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> <laughs> The director of the movie where he just glorified, <laughs> glorified himself. <laughs> All right. So what? So in, so, man, this guy's mysterious. So I just want to ask so many questions, but there, it's like I wish, kind of wish we had these answers as to what it meant by, you know, just God took him. Yeah. God, he took him with him. It's like, oh. Yeah, like, it is really mysterious because we don't really have any clue. I mean, we have, we have Elijah who uh, we see God take into heaven. And so apparently he was walking with Elisha, his apprentice prophet, um, and they're walking along, and it says a fiery chariot separated him, Elijah, from Elisha, and he saw him going up into heaven. So that's the only other account that we have in the Bible of something like that happening. So I don't know if it was similar or not, but... And that's all that we know. It's really a mystery. But I think the the point for us today and what's his outstanding, Enoch's outstanding feature of godliness is he, he pleased God in an especially perverse world. And yes. it, it seems like he did that by walking with God faithfully. Uh, so, you know, you imagine 300 years of dealing with things just getting worse and worse and um, all the wins and failures of, of human existence. But in all of that time, he just, it seems like he just remained faithful and he was pleasing God. And it seems like he was also, so he's, he's walking with God, talking with God, fellowshipping with God. But um, it seems like he was also speaking God's words um, in Jude Verse 14, it says, it was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, so that's when we say he's seven generations from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict 
all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So he was prophesying. That means he was he was telling, not that he was telling the future unnecessarily, but in this case he was making a prediction. But he was also telling these folks, you know, the way you're living is not right. Um, and God is going to judge this kind of behavior. So that would have been really hard to do, to stand up and say to a, a world that hated that kind of talk that, no, you're, you're living wrong, and God's going to judge that. But I think it was that close relationship with God that enabled him to do that. So that I think that's how he was pleasing to God. Man, he, he definitely has my respect because I've only been alive 38 years. I can't <laughs> imagine watch, walking 30 years with yeah. the Lord as a how's it, 300 years. Like, it's it's just, it's not difficult to, well, I shouldn't say it that way. It's not definitely not easy. We talked about before living a Christian lifestyle right. um, or a faithful lifestyle, but it's just so difficult mainly around people who are not like-minded. And I right. think that's where mm-hmm. more of the difficulty um, comes in. And, and the the word that came to mind right now when I was trying to get that out was it weighs on you. Yeah. Like it definitely weighs on you. And I definitely noticed around um, my work environment the past three weeks, I had to catch myself because I was um, through your help and other people's help really tried to, for example, not curse. And I noticed yeah. that for the past couple of weeks, specifically just around work, my cursing went up again and I had to catch myself. And I'm like, wait, 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 like this shouldn't change. I shouldn't change who I am depending on the environment. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. And that was very difficult. So I had to kind of redirect again, keep praying, read the Bible and redirect in many different areas. But this is just one specific example. Right. Yeah. But it was just so difficult. People around there cursing for example doing whatever and it's like duh, this is easier to not not fit in but just you know it just is right. what it is yeah and then but man to course correct yet again it's just it's just it's very difficult to to say the least so um, for sure yeah i, I couldn't imagine 300 years <laughs> living like that so no wonder like no wonder he probably stuck out like a sore pure thumb or whatever was <laughs> just like you know there's one good one in the whole bunch but yeah that that is the the difficult part and another part that's even difficult too is is it's it's i'm so occupied because i'm in a new position so my brain is occupied with all right so i have to you know do this x y and z get everything done right but now i'm starting to figure out like little little um areas of where to uh, for lack of a better word, preach or spread, you know, yeah. the message of the gospel. Yeah. And, and it feels, it feels pretty good. Yeah. I will admit like where there's little things and I'm, and especially when I can reference it like to uh, like a specific quote from the Bible or if uh-huh. I have it locked and loaded, yeah. I'm like, Oh, and I'll start smiling like a, like a crazy person. I'll be <laughs> like, Oh man, like I got this for you. But, um, but yeah, it's those people who have it, like or they're ready to go or that are just out in public and they're preaching or or people like yourself who can preach and have the ability to preach in a church in front of people man my respect goes up for for you guys a lot because it's it's not easy to have those answers i mean 
I can't imagine some of the, I don't get any questions. No one looks to me to solidify their faith, right? So when I look at a pastor and I'm like, hey, I have this trouble going on or I have this going on. Right. What do you think about that? Not more importantly, what do you think about it? What does God say about it? And, right, you, yeah. and you have to have that ready to go. Mm-hmm. Man, that's got to be a huge, um, just wait. It's a responsibility. It is. It is. The Bible says that there shouldn't be many teachers because you'll receive the greater, um, the greater judgment, not in a negative way, but God's um, weighing what we say. And if we're, if we're teaching, we need to be making sure we're giving the truth. But I love what you said about being ready with a verse or um, a, a prompt to get people to start thinking about God and, and his ways. And that's to me, that's harder than preaching. Because like when you're preaching, for the most part, unless you're at a um, unfamiliar situation, you know most people are on your side. And now, uh, you know, sometimes pastors know that most pastors know there's a few people out in the auditorium that don't like them, and that's just part of the part of the the game. Um, but or part of the job. But if you if you're in the work environment, you're you know you're on you're not on home turf. Yeah. You're on yes. Turf. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, it's sometimes it's harder to be bold and speak the truth, um, in a work environment. And so kudos to you and the Lord will honor that. And I think that's one of the things we see that, um, is outstanding about Enoch is that he was willing to walk with God, not just personally, but to speak the truth, to um, those that he had been commanded to speak the truth to when, you know, he knows that they won't want to hear it. And that's what God calls godly men to do now. Um, I'm not advocating for that we, you know, raise up a flag and say, God is against all these things and, you know, you're a a terrible person if you do these things because I don't know that that's the best way to reach people today. They do need to hear about God's judgment, but um, we have to do it with our families. You know, sometimes you have to tell your kids, we're not going there. We're not doing this or, you know, and that's not fun. Um, Or we may have to do that with our, our, our Christian friends. And eventually we're going to do that with those we know. We're going to confront them with the gospel and say, Hey, you know, you need to, um, consider what Jesus is saying because this is how this is eternal life for you if, if you accept this. And so um yeah, being being godly, walking with God is is speaking for God uh when when we're called upon to do so. It's it's a <laughs> just to paint a picture, there was one conversation to where one of my new coworkers, he works uh security and he was talking about how um, this person was getting wild and a female wound up, uh, when he was trying to escort her out, bit him in oh, his wow. arm. And this conversation is foul. There's profanity everywhere. And then right. when the conversation came to me, I had to follow it up with, well, uh, at church, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> and they looked at me and they're like, what? You're a Christian? And I'm like, yeah. And they looked at me like, man, you're oddball out. And there's yeah. this meme that I was sending around, I think I sent it to two people that I work with, and it's a, uh, it has a uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's face from one of my favorite movies of his called uh, Blood Diamond. Okay. And his character, it's a still shot, but he looks completely troubled. And the the top of the meme is a uh, like something when you're just when you're just about when someone asks 
how is work going? And then yeah. his character down below says, God left this place a long time ago. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, that's how I feel sometimes at work. I'm just like, man, this is uh, not the, that it's a, uh, it's like the opposite of the Brady Bunch yeah. is what like I picture. But yes, it is. Um, but right now it's like, I have to personally, I have to feel like, well, I always feel like it's it's me versus me, right? Like God's leading me. I'm trying to um, grow spiritually, grow, you know, mentally, physically, everything in between. But I was going to say, I feel like I have to level up. Like my one of my main quotes that I go to, I believe, is John thirteen seven. You may not know now, but later you will understand. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I've used that with myself so much that when I use it with someone else now, I almost feel like a cop out, even though it's not because I don't have anything beyond that. Yeah. So if they're (laughs) they're asking a question, the conversation goes there. I can pull from the scripture, recite that knowledge. And then before they could ask a second question, I'm already walking away. (laughs) It's because I have no other, (laughs) nothing else to back it up. So now I have to keep reading, keep studying. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So to to keep going. Yeah. Because There's some people I see online to where they're it's like one person, man or woman, and they're like around hundreds of people. Yeah. And people are just rapid fire asking questions and they're pulling from scripture like, oh, there here's this, here's that. And I'm like, I, I want that. Yeah. Like that is an aspiring level yeah. to get to. That that would be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, some guys and girls really practice hard and work hard at getting to that level. That's true. So then we see, you know, the Bible says that Enoch, he walked with God. And then Hebrews gives this description of Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the Hall of Faith, where the author of Hebrews kind of walks through some of the great um, men and women of the faith and talks about how they demonstrated faith in their life. And he says of in verse 11 or in verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was fa- and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. So the other piece of Enoch's. Uh, godliness, how he pleased God. He walked with God. He spoke God's words, and he just he trusted God. You know, by faith, Enoch was taken up, and that he should not see death. And he had this this commendation that he pleased God. We need that faith, um, because the Bible says it's it's not possible to please God without faith. And I think we said this before, but that is such a hard. I, I wish we had more of. Enoch's story or at least a template like we do other things that are more fleshed out yeah. in the Bible because that is faith is such a hard thing to express to someone it's like they literally have to experience it right. themselves or develop mm-hmm. it themselves and sometimes I wish it wasn't like I, I find myself in dark places sometimes some I just get really down on myself yeah. like it like not depressed as of lately, but just tired, like questioning a lot of things yeah, and I know just to have that faith to 
continually pull through and continually go back to the scriptures. I think you know what I'm feeling that way because I'll text you right away. <laughs> like, man, like I need something. Help yeah, me pull yeah. through. <laughs> but yeah, to to continually have that faith and the just the knowledge that he's going to, that the Lord will provide, which he always does. But, you know, like better men and women have said, he always answers our prayers. It may not be the one that, right. the answer that we want, right? right. Yeah. Um. But man, is that difficult sometimes because I'm, I'm getting less and less childish with the Lord, I like to say, right? Like I'm not running around the house, like I'm years removed from running around the house pouting, like, yeah. where's this? Where's, you know, where's my Lambo? Whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. it was I was pouting at. But now it's, it's like, okay, Lord, like this isn't where I want to be. Here's where I'm having trouble with, but I have faith, right? Like, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. please, please give me patience, strengthen my patience. You know, um, I'm opening my eyes to you, my ears to you, my mind to you. Please lead me to where you want me to be and, and lead graciously. So more things like that as opposed to me wandering around the river screaming in Sacramento (laughs) where kids are like, is that one of the crazies running around, Dad? It's like, no, that's our neighbor or whatever it may be. Yeah, so I think, you know, that's what what makes Enoch a godly man. It's it's that he walked with God. And even though the world was... um, in a really perverse state, he, he stayed faithful to the Lord. He had faith that God would do what he said he would do, and he trusted God. He just spoke God's word when he was asked to and, and did what God wanted him to do. And, and you know, that's the kind of um, what every Christian wants on their tombstone, that they were commended for pleasing God. And so that's a that's a worthy life to live. And I think, like I said, it is kind of cool. We have a lot of, we don't have much detail, but <clears throat> maybe that's cool because we don't have to say, well, yeah, Enoch was faithful in that, but my situation is different. Well, we don't know how he was faithful in every way. We know he pleased God. We know he walked with God. <clears throat> we know he spoke God's words, but we don't know what he went through. Um, and so, it, it's helpful and encouraging to me to know, you know, that's godliness. I don't know what everybody else is going through. Um, no one knows really what I'm going through sometimes, but I can just remain faithful and God will, God will reward that. I love it, man. I love that we've, we've covered Abraham, Joseph, and now Enoch. And before we sign off, can you end us with a prayer? Yes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these examples you've given us in the Bible of men and women who pleased you. Thank you for Enoch and uh, how you preserved him and uh, the faith that he had in you because you are the ultimate um, source of good and right in the world and in the universe, and we can trust you. And so help us, every one of us listening, to place our faith in you and to speak your words when called upon and to trust you and walk with you faithfully. It is a joy to walk with you, and we love you, our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben, and hopefully all you listeners have a wonderful week, and tune in next week for my review of 2001 A Sweet Lot of <laughs> All <Spain>. right. <laughs>